Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This is NBA Today, hosted by Malika Andrews, live from Los Angeles. Coming up on NBA Today, Beal is done for the season. Does that mean he's done with the Wizards, too? We're going to get into that. Plus, things are getting a little awkward with Russ and Frank Vogel. So should he be in the closing lineups or not? And... Simmons for Harden. How close is it to actually happening ahead of the deadline? NBA Today starts right now. Welcome to NBA Today. I'm Malika Andrews, joined by our NBA champ, Kendrick Perkins. We also have two-time WNBA All-Star, Cheney Agumake, and senior writer and host of The Low Post, Zach Lowe. And trade season, it's already upon us. So before we get into the panel, I want to bring in our senior NBA insider, Adrian Wojnarowski. And Woj, yesterday you broke the news that Bradley Beal is going to have season-ending surgery on his wrist. So what led to that decision? Well, you know, the torn ligament, in the wrist and you know just the idea right now of getting that healed he had been playing through uh pain with that injury uh but i think to get it healed get it corrected and obviously this is a big summer for bradley beal a lot of decisions for him to make and obviously a wizards team who's been on the wrong trajectory this season and uh it just made sense to to get that uh injury taken care of and uh get the surgery Absolutely. And Woj, you, you mentioned this summer with Beal having the option to become a free agent. How confident are the Wizards that they can resign him? Well, I was told that Bradley Beal, his agent, Mark Bartlestein with Priority Sports, met on Monday with Tommy Shepard, the GM in Washington and owner Ted Leonsis. And uh, besides talking about the injury and, and the fact that they ultimately landed on that they'd get the surgery, you know, they talked about you know, the roster construction, where the team was headed, uh, what the vision was for continuing to build a team around Bradley Beal. And that's a conversation you can expect that they'll continue to have in Washington as they head toward uh, either the uh, possibility of him signing an mm. extension uh, or, of course, perhaps testing free agency. This is a conversation that's been ongoing between Bradley Beal, Mark Bartlestein, and the Wizards for some time. And there's a lot to consider here. There's certainly a lot of interest all over the league. But you have seen with Bradley Beal a tremendous loyalty to Washington, to that organization. Uh, but he's finally hit a crossroads now this summer where he's going to have to really make a choice. Absolutely. Let's let's go from the east to the west here, Woj, because you just broke a trade in the last hour involving the Jazz, the Spurs, and the Trailblazers. So how does this set the Jazz up for the rest of the season? You can see the details on the screen there. Well, Malika, once the Jazz lost Joe Ingles to the ACL injury, it became even more likely they were going to use his expiring contract in a trade. And to get back to kill Alexander Walker, who comes from the Blazers, just moved there uh, yesterday as part of the C.J. McCollum trade. Now they get a 23-year-old player who's you know, shown to be, you know, to really be able to have an impact offensively. 
uh, a lot of potential in this player. The Jazz certainly have a development program there under Quinn Snyder where you've seen young players really grow. So he's somebody for down the road, but also is going to be a part of their rotation this year. They move out Elijah Hughes to Portland, young player who the Blazers like, and a couple second-round picks, both to the Spurs, one to the Spurs, one to Portland. But this is a Jazz team now. You know, as Joe Ingles goes, and listen, there's a chance certainly that he finds his way back to Utah as a free agent. He's, again, on an expiring deal. He's had a great run in Utah, intertwined in that community. But uh, he'll rehab that ACL, and certainly now for the Jazz, you know, getting in uh, Alexander Walker's a player that's, you know, for a team that is is trying to get righted, starting to get their players back, you know, he's going to play a role for them. Absolutely. And, and Woj, since you're here, I, I want to ask you about another name that's been circulating during the trade season, Jeremy Grant. Are the Pistons, are they expected to move him before tomorrow's deadline? You know, the, the Pistons have a pretty high threshold for Grant, and that's been around two first-round picks. And Portland's certainly a team that has interest. Damian Lillard, for one, you know, he has had had some hopes that Portland could acquire him back to last year when he was less available. But I think for Detroit, they are perfectly willing to just go into the offseason with Grant. He's got another year left on his deal. They could sign him to an extension. Uh, they could look at doing a deal at the trade, or, or excuse me, at the draft or around free agency. I right. think if the trade deadline was in the next hour, uh, they would not have a deal for him. But we still have a day left. We still have a day left, and we will be watching, looking at our phones. I'm going to let you get back to work. I know you have so much to do between now and the trade deadline. Thank you for stopping by, Woj. I do want to get back to Bradley Beal here to detail his options. So for our front office insider Bobby Marks is joining us. So, Bobby, what can you tell us about the deal that Bradley Beal can do? What are his options? Yeah, I mean, that $181 million extension is still sitting there, and it's likely not he's not going to sign it. He's been, it's been well known. So we could take that off the board right now. He's got that $36.4 million player option, uh, likely to decline that. Uh, he could sign that big contract with Washington, five years, $245 million. Here's the interesting thing. He could also opt into that number. If he wakes up one morning and says, I don't want to be a wizard anymore. I want to go to another team. He can opt in. We've talked about it with James Harden and sign a four-year, $199 million extension after he's been traded, six months after. So, and essentially, he's only going to lose about $4 million. Here's the thing. Beal has a trade bonus in his contract. Hmm. So if he's traded, he's going to get $5.4 million. So he'll make up the difference what he would be leaving on the table with Washington than what he could sign with a new team. So there's not much of a difference there. And then, of course, the, the cap space route. Four years, $182 million. But Indiana, Detroit, Portland, um, Orlando... San Antonio, not contending teams right now. So here's the two, two options to keep an eye on. The five years, 245, and then certainly that opt-in and then possibly asked to be moved at the, you know, in the offseason. Well, and Bobby, you have to imagine, right, that if Bradley Beal comes to the Washington Wizards, we just heard Woj say that if he wants something else, this is a, a continuous dialogue, right? And Woj said that this is something that they've been chatting about. So you have to imagine that if Bradley Beal wants out, he's been so loyal to that franchise, they're going to work with him. I want to bring in the entire panel here, Zach Cheney and Big Perk. And Big Perk, I'll start with you. Do you believe that we have seen Bradley Beal play his last minutes in a Wizards uniform? You know what? I don't know the answer to that 
question, and here's why. It seemed like every single year, Bradley Beal's name get brought up about whether or not he should leave the Wizards or is he going to stay or whatever the case may be. I think Bradley Beal got to decide what do he want to do. Like, do he want to continue to stay in Washington and be that guy, be that go-to guy, or do he want to leave and actually be probably a second-tier guy or robbing to somebody else and try to go compete for a championship? Look, everybody have different goals for us when they're in the NBA for us, what they want to achieve and what they want to accomplish. But I'm going to say this like I used to say in the locker room to the young guys. Do not pass up your lettuce. Get all the money you <laughs> possibly can because at the end of the day, I get it. It's entertainment to yeah. us. It's entertainment to the fans. But at the end of the day, it's a job, and you're supposed to maximize and get as t much money as you can before this is all over with. Well, and that's one thing that's so interesting about what Bobby just told us is that he has multiple options that would get to similar lettuce, if you will, Zach. He's not going to leave any lettuce on the table. And your perk's right. He shouldn't. This is <laughs> a player's green. league. The money either goes to the teams or the players. Give it to the players. They're the ones we're paying to watch. So I, I think it's a coin flip. The, as Perk has said, the noise has been all over the place in terms of whether these are his last minutes or he's played his last minutes with the Wizards. I think, honestly, I bet he watches the last 20 games of the season and says, Let's see what this team's got. Let's see how these young guys progress. Can Spencer Dinwiddie, who's had really a disappointing season for them, can he find his game? Is there something for me to come back to here where I have hope? And if there's not, if they continue to play like they're playing, I would lean towards some fireworks this summer. Yeah, I think this is really interesting. Coming from the player perspective, the number one question when you have decisions like this is loyalty, and you feel that pressure. You want to be at a franchise that you feel like you've taken them to the mountaintop. But like you said, Perk, sometimes the only thing that's loyal is the bread while your body is the way you make your money. Mm. And I think it's fascinating that, Bobby, I'm looking at you, that you brought up, and thank you for breaking it down in a way that I can understand, uh, the trade bonus, how he could potentially get more money by getting traded, which is another test of loyalty. Am I correct? I mean, I don't think his mic's on, but he said yes. So I just wanted to ver <laughs> verify that. But the fact that's another, like hearing that as a test of loyalty. I spoke to uh, Damian Lillard quite a bit about his situation. We're friends. We've been knowing each other for a couple years now. And I feel like these guys are at similar junction points, mm -hmm. Dame and Bradley Beal. Both guys that the cities have really embraced, both guys that have put their whole heart, body, and soul and their game out there and maxed out in certain scenarios. And the question is, what do you want that legacy to be? Do you want a tag team with another star? And you see sometimes it works out really well, but look at Brooklyn, sometimes it's way more complicated. That's what's going through their heads. And I do think that Bradley is loyal, but at some point you have to take your – uh, cues from the front office like we're seeing with Portland, getting Coach Chauncey Billups in there, starting to make these trades. You know, CJ was always in conversations <laughs> about trades, but now you're seeing things happening. All right, maybe that makes takes a little pressure off of the athlete. You need to see those same things happening in Washington. And I feel like because Portland has been in the playoffs, the urgency is not on them per se right now. Yeah, well, I mean, I think watching those last 20 games, watching, you know, the way the rest of the season plays out, watching what they're able to do. Because remember, at the beginning of the year, we were like, huh, are the Wizards something? Is something happening over there? And then over the course of the season, it evened out. But I do think, Cheney, at this point, watching everything that Bradley Beal has given that organization, no one could fault him. Yep. Really, whatever decision mm -hmm. he makes. No way. Here. No, no way. Not at all. No way. All right, still Thanks, ahead Bobby. on NBA Today, shout out Bobby Marks. <laughs> Russell Westbrook's surprising postgame sound. It's about as blunt as it gets. You do not want to miss that. Plus, what on earth 
do the lethargic Knicks do before tomorrow's trade deadline? I know Stephen A is tuning in for that segment. And the hypothetical trade that everybody is talking about, Harden, Simmons, will it actually go down? We've got the latest on NBA Today. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Live from Los Angeles, welcome back to NBA Today. As promised, we have another trade to unpack, so Woj is back with me. I know he is breaking everything down, always on your phone. Woj, thank you so much for the time. The Pacers and the Kings, they made a trade, and Indiana sent DeMontis Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb, and Justin Holliday to Sacramento for Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson. So how did this trade come together? Well, Sabonis had certainly been a player that Indiana had been talking about throughout the league and talking with a number of teams uh, about his availability, both he and Miles Turner. And the idea that they could get Tyrese Halliburton in a trade, I think even exceeded Indiana's expectations. And, you know, they looked at the trade Chicago made with for Nikola Vucevic with Orlando and, and thought that was a comp. But to get this kind of a 21-year-old player from the Kings, uh, I think not only surprising to Indiana, but the rest of the league. I think there was a lot of a lot of the reaction in the last hour since we reported it was if we knew Tyrese Halliburton could have been had, we would have really been aggressive and maybe pursuing him. And so this is a Sacramento team that certainly now continues to build around De'Aaron Fox. Obviously they put Buddy Heald in the trade to Indiana. Uh, but I think for Sacramento, I, it was a week ago, I was in New York City the morning after they played Philly. Halliburton had 38 against the Sixers, just an electric performance in Philly, almost carried them to a win. And I saw Tyrese Halliburton in the hotel lobby in the morning. I saw their owner, Vivek Ranadive, and Halliburton was somebody who really, really was committed to, to being the guy to help turn that organization around. I was told he was stunned today. And I know this, their front office, Monty McNair, their GM, Wes Wilcox, their assistant GM, I've always been under the belief that those two really, really, really valued Halliburton. And so how this trade came about and, and the decision to put him in it, it is stunning. And uh, certainly for Indiana, I think it changes the trajectory of, of how they reshape this roster. And uh, now you have another young player they really like, Chris Duarte, their rookie, with Halliburton, Malcolm Brogdon still in that backcourt. And Indiana's got picks. They've still got a Ricky Rubio expiring contract they can use. And I think this sped up Indiana's, uh, the reshaping of their roster, um, maybe makes their rebuild more of a reshaping than having to break this thing down. And we saw that surprise ripple around the league this morning. I want to stick with the Pacers here, Woj, because Miles Turner, he's been a name we've discussed quite a bit as we approach this trade deadline. Where does Turner stand amidst this trade? 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Yeah, I'm told that Turner was really eager and, and enthusiastic about the idea of playing with Halliburton. And, uh, you know, he was a player who's been in trade talks. You know, he's out with that stress reaction. He was somebody who it became harder to trade him here at the deadline because he's been injured. It's never easy to move a player uh, when he's got an injury, people aren't seeing him play. But but I'm told now, you know, the idea that he'll be able to play center, you know, he and Sabonis never quite fit. One of them was going to go. Sabonis goes to the Kings. And listen, Sabonis is a terrific player. He's a two-time All-Star. Uh, he's a significant player in this trade and, and certainly uh, a, a significant upgrade for the Kings at that position. But now I think structurally their roster fits better in Indiana with Miles Turner, I think it becomes very unlikely you see him moved. And now you can start to see the pieces. Uh, and the Pacers are a team that has their own pick this year. They've got the Cavaliers pick. And they've got Houston's second-round pick, which you know is going to probably be in the top 32-33. Mm, Woj, thank you so much. Please don't go too far, though, because as today has been going, I, I just have this feeling we're going to need you back. Really appreciate the time. So Woj used the term stunned. But after this trade went hey. down, J.J. Redick, he simply tweeted, what? And I think that summed up what so many people were thinking and feeling as they saw Woj's reporting. So I want to bring in J.J. Redick along with Zach and Richard to get their reaction on this trade. And J.J., since you tweeted, I'll start with you. What's your reaction? This is some form of malpractice on the King's part. (laughs) This is some form of of malpractice. I'm so proud of you. Listen, Tyrese Halliburton has been the best player on that team. As Woj said, and and I'm like Richard who says Josh Hart is his guy. I think they may know each other. Tyrese (laughs) really is my guy. This is a close friend of mine. I I can co-sign what Woj said. He was determined to turn things around and be part of that rebuild in Sacramento. I know he's shocked right now, but they traded away their best player. They also traded away one of the most prolific three-point shooters uh, in recent NBA history in Buddy Heald. They've got one guy on that roster right now shooting over 33% from the the three-point line in in Harrison Barnes. De'Aaron Fox can't shoot. Sabonis can't shoot. So you're building a team around two non-shooters with a bunch of non-shooters. Make it make sense, Zach. Make it make sense. Well, JJ, you said Tyrese Halliburton's been the best player on the Kings, and he has been the best player on the Kings. Domas Sabonis has been the best player on the Pacers. Look, I know our inclination is always to laugh at the Kings, hashtag Kings. They got a really good player in Domas Sabonis who's going to help their team. But, but, I do think Indiana won the trade simply for this reason. Tyrese Halliburton, Domas Sabonis put them side by side. Tyrese Halliburton's younger. He's on a better contract. He's a more valuable player and a more valuable trade piece right now and going forward. 
and I don't think the Kings got enough extra stuff in getting off Buddy Heald and getting Justin Holiday, who's a nice role player, to make up for this difference. So I think Indiana won the trade, but I'm not going to sit here and cackle at the Kings' expense as much as I enjoy cackling at the Kings' expense. But, but here's my thing. When I look at these two teams in their respective conferences, both of them sit at 13th. So, Richard, does this trade put the Kings in any sort of playoff contention in the West? <laughs> no. God, no. No, but now this is the thing, and this is where it gets confusing. I want to make sure it's very clear. The play-in tournament is not the playoffs, yeah. right? It's yes. not the playoffs. And I Say it again, Richard. The <laughs> play-in tournament is not the playoffs. Now, look, if you look at this, they're not very far away, you know, from, from the play-in tournament. What is it, the top ten? Yeah, they're not very, they're not very, very far. <laughs> yeah, get a cookie for that? But that's not good. And let's say traditionally, if you were to say the normal playoff format, they'd be like six games behind the Clippers for the final eighth spot. So let's get back to the actual trade. I'm on the same boat as everybody else, but I'm going to cackle at the Kings, right? What on earth would tell anybody in the last 15 years that the Kings are going to do anything that make any sense? And then I'm going to attack the rest of the NBA. Oh, if I would have known Halliburton was available, he was just drafted last year. You could have drafted him. Most of the teams in the league, he fell all the way down to 12. Great point. The Suns could have him. Imagine that's what I'm saying. that. He fell all the way down to 12th, and everyone's like, "Man, Tyler Halliburton can play." It's like, well, you weren't doing your homework, or the people that were assessing talent wasn't doing a very good job. And we'll add one more beautiful layer to this Malika the Kings are going to do what the Kings do we should not stress and I'm not going to talk about Sabonis in a negative sense because I think he's a great player you get a two-time all-star he is a high-level player he is versatile can he shoot no but he can do a whole lot of other things so Sabonis is a great pickup for the Kings I'll say that but Uh, okay so, so JJ who won this trade (laughs) <laughs> oh, the, pace, the Pacers clearly yeah. won this okay. trade. Yeah. The Pacers clearly won this trade. And, and to Richard's point, uh, I know it's a point of contention with Tyrese. They, they said his jump shot wouldn't translate. You know, he's at, he's at just under 42% from three on a pretty high volume uh, in two seasons. I think the sample size is large enough to say that his jumper translate. To me, he's, he's the guy that makes the right play every time. He gives you playmaking. He gives you shot making. He moves the ball. And he defends. And by the way, he loves basketball. Like, find me another 21-year-old guard that's doing that right now. There's not many of them out there. I do not understand this trade if I'm the Kings. I do not understand it. I think there was a sense around the league, too, that potentially De'Aaron Fox was going to be the one available, and Woj summed it up. Stunned. Like, that's the word he used, and that's the word that I'm reading on J.J. Reddick's face right now. J.J., thank you so much for joining us today. We're going to be seeing you much more this week, I am sure. But coming up, this was actually supposed to lead our show this morning, but then, you know, things happened. What would a Simmons for Harden swap actually look like? Bobby Marks is standing by to break that down. That's next. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. The Nets lose their eighth straight overall. 
We're going through a tough stretch. We're undermanned. There have been a few times where we've had uh, mental lapses. I equate this to them walking a tightrope. Like before, maybe it was a little thicker, but now it's like, I mean, very high. Welcome back. I'm Malika Anders here with our insider, Brian Windhorst. And Brian, you had a story today on all things James Harden and Ben Simmons. So what's the status on a potential trade between the Nets and the Sixers here? Let me emphasize this. No matter what you hear from the Nets, from the Sixers, from anybody else, the game is on. Mm. This negotiation is taking place. It may be a non-traditional negotiation. It may be back channels. It may be intermediaries. The Sixers... And Nets are communicating with each other. Whether a deal gets done by Thursday or whether this is the beginning of something that gets settled this summer when James Harden can be a free agent, I don't know if anybody knows the answer yet. But this is a process. And everything you hear, Malika, I promise you, keep thinking this, everything you hear is a negotiation. Okay, so in the spirit of that that negotiation then, what exactly is the holdup for this trade? Two things. On the Nets side, what do they get besides Ben Simmons in this deal? Do they get a draft pick? Do they get another one of the players? Do they get one of the young players like Matisse Thybul? Do they get Seth Curry? That's a guy I think they have a lot of interest in. On the 76ers side, they're not just trading for James Harden. They are trading for James Harden and a player who wants a $220 million extension. Yep. Who's 33 years old, not having a great season, and has missed a quarter of his team's games the last two years. They love James Harden. They want him. They think they can win the title. But taking James Harden and that contract, it's not an automatic yes from ownership. That's something they've got to work through. Okay, but the negotiations are on. Everything you hear Everything is a negotiation. Everything we hear is a negotiation. Brian Windhorst, thank you so much. Okay, I want to go to our boots on the ground here in Philadelphia and Brooklyn. So for more on this potential Harden-Simmons trade, I want to bring in both of our team reporters, Tim Bontemps and Nick Friedel. So, Nick, I want to start with you. What's the feeling around the Nets here? Malika, I walked out of shoot-around to Barclays a couple hours ago with James Harden. And I said, James, can I ask you a couple questions? And he looked at me and he said, no, I'm good. (laughs) And I said, are you playing? And he said, nope, not playing. So that hamstring issue is still there. But he knows full well what's going on and all the speculation that's happening. And he doesn't want to get into it. Patty Mills did, though. And he said it is impacting the locker room a little bit. But as a veteran, he tells the younger guys, you can only focus on what you can control. And he's hopeful that Harden isn't worried so much about what's going on in the outside world around him. That's the message internally with the Nets. The thing everybody needs to remember as far as the organization goes, despite all the hoopla that's going on around with the speculation regarding Harden, they all still believe if Harden's healthy, KD comes back in a couple weeks off that knee injury, and Kyrie plays, and hopefully in the Nets case, the vaccine mandate here in New York City has changed at some point in the next couple months, they can still win a title. And that belief is permeating throughout the organization, despite the fact that they come into tonight's game having lost eight in a row. Absolutely, and neither the mandate changes or Kyrie Irving changes his mind. Nick Friedel, thank you so much. And Tim Bontemps, I see that you are in the Wells Fargo Center right now. So what is the scene here in Philadelphia? Well, Malika, like you said, I'm here at Wells Fargo Center ahead of tonight's game between the Sixers and the league-leading Phoenix Suns. And while that should be a big topic of conversation, as you know, with less than 48 hours to go to the trade deadline, all anybody here in Philadelphia is focused on is whether this Ben Simmons saga is finally going to come to an end. 
And whether that means James Harden comes to Philadelphia, some other combination of players and picks comes here, or this Ben Simmons saga drags on into the rest of this season, the postseason and beyond, you know, this Thursday 3 p.m. deadline is sort of a first marker of sorts. You know, you go back to the start of training camp, Ben Simmons didn't show up. This situation really hasn't changed since then. And Thursday marks the first time when if he's still on the team past that deadline, I think the Sixers will feel some real pain if they're unable to get something for him and you're staring in the face the possibility of having a $35 million hole on your roster all the way through to the postseason and beyond when Joel Embiid is having arguably the best season of his career. Absolutely. And Joel Embiid, he has been active on Twitter this morning. Thank you so much, Tim Bontemps. Really appreciate the time. But remember, if James Harden signs an extension this summer with Brooklyn, he's looking at five years, $270 million. That's all said and done. And if he opts out and signs with another team, he'd be leaving about $70 million on the table. Of course, there's more to it than that. This isn't totally black and white. So what exactly would a Ben Simmons, James Harden trade look like? How would it work? Here to tell you is our front office insider, Bobby Marks, who is the trade machine. But we're also at the trade machine here. So what are some scenarios that could make this deal actually work, Bobby? The ultimate game of chicken right now, right? We know know the players, right? As far as a player like James Harden, Ben Simmons, money is a little bit short. You still have to add about um, $3 million to the deal. So now if you're Brooklyn and you're looking at the Sixers roster, who else do you want here? Player like Seth Curry, Matisse Thybul, Furkan Korkmaz. Let's put a player like Curry into the deal certainly helps her shooting. They've got picks to trade, right? You look down here, they've got a 2022nd pick. We add that to the mix. And it works. Boom. Right? Nets save about $15 million towards the luxury tax year. Everybody is happy. The big question is going to be, does Philadelphia think they can sign James Harden outright with cap space this summer? Mm. Or they just do this deal right now and Harden gets his money in the offseason from the Sixers? And the Nets, it's a huge risk. They could potentially lose him for nothing. Absolutely. And this is the trade that potentially makes it work. So between now and the end of the trade deadline on Thursday, can I, can I touch the trade machine? You might get some smoke coming up. Okay. We're actually going to go to the big board later. Yes, I am so (laughs) excited. All right, thank you so much, Bobby. I want to bring in, though, the panel for a a panel for a quick reaction to this deal. Richard, who says no to that trade that Bobby just laid out? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I think ultimately, as much I, I I can't speak for the Brooklyn Nets locker room, but I can say that if Kyrie was playing and Kevin Durant and all the things were moving in the direction, but it's not. So now they have to look at, okay, is James unhappy? If they feel like James Harden is unhappy with the situation, and who knows why he would be unhappy in Brooklyn, then it's like the possibility of losing him for nothing, that kind of scares you. We can talk about Joel Embiid having the season of of his life, but Kevin Durant, before his injury, was probably either one or two in MVP voting. So, like, they have a great player that they don't want to waste any time with either. So they're trying to figure out, I think both teams are trying to figure out how to not waste a championship caliber season. Well, Zach, I saw you studying the trade machine over here, almost in awe of it. What do you think? Yeah, I made a fake trade when you weren't looking. I traded Joel Embiid for Kyrie Irving. How did it work? And Bobby Gabe was successful, but Bobby (laughs) took it away. Uh, uh, I think right now, 47 hours and 26 minutes before the trade deadline. Fast math. The Sixers would probably say no to that if this conversation ever happened in these kind of specifics, which it has not, at least directly, because I think the Sixers are, as, as Brian said, everything's a negotiation. Everything's a leverage play. And I think the Sixers would say, oh, 
He's, he might leave for nothing, Brooklyn. Don't you think he might leave for nothing? He's not, leaving, think, all, he's not leaving all that money on don't, the table. Don't you, think, don't you think we can maybe have an avenue to open up the cap space to sign up? Well, if you think that, you're not getting Seth Curry, and you're not getting our first-round pick. Come back to us at 2.58 Eastern time on Thursday with a better offer. But, again, this is all back-channel non-direct talks at this point. Absolutely, but you said the magic word, the trade deadline. So Thursday from 1 to 4 Eastern, it's our NBA Today trade deadline special. We're going to track all the news up to the minute on moves that could impact the future of the NBA. Coming up on NBA Today, ahead of the trade deadline, we'll take a look at the needs of the Lakers and the Bucks who go head-to-head tonight in Crypto.com Arena. I'm in one of the best zones offensively I've been in in my career. Who else but the king? LBJ! And I don't plan on stopping it. We are counting down to the trade deadline, which is Thursday at 3 o'clock Eastern. Look, the seconds are ticking down as we speak. Welcome back to NBA Today. So we have a big game tonight between the Lakers and the defending champion Milwaukee Bucks. And in to detail, the outlook for each of these teams as the trade deadline approaches is our very own Bobby Mark. So let's start with the Lakers. What can they do, Bobby? Well, what you see is what you get right now for this starting five. You know, certainly Russell Westbrook's the name to keep an eye on, but I don't see his, his contract tradable right now. Maybe that's something in the offseason. But I think when you look at it's all about the math, right? $120 million between Westbrook, AD, LeBron. That's a lot of contracts. The value contract of Talon Horton Tucker. What can you get back in return? Limited on draft assets. They've got a 2027 first and uh, seven seconds to send out. Cash. We saw money sent in the Rondo trade, and they're over the tax. $44 million tax bill. So I think it's just fringe moves, Malika. I think you're looking at DeAndre Jordan, Kent Bazemore trading for cash, open up roster spots. It's hard to see Horton Tucker, none in a first bringing back a tremendous amount of value. Okay, so Zach, when you look, though, at the Lakers roster, what are they missing as we approach the deadline? Well, poor Stanley Johnson is missing his Lakers jersey on our, on our big board. He's wearing, I I, can we get him a Lakers jersey at least? <laughs> what they're missing really is another 3 and D guy, right? The idea is to have Russ, LeBron, AD at center, and two guys who can defend and play defend and shoot threes. And between Ariza, Ellington, Bazemore, Nunn, even Horton Tucker, who's shooting sub-25% from three, I think they just haven't gotten that other than Malik Monk, who's more of a shooter and not a defender. Can you find that guy with the package Bobby just made? I mean, maybe. Maybe you could make a run at Eric Gordon or somebody like that. But mm. those are the names. Terrence Ross, those are the names they're going to be looking at. What do you think of that, Aaron Gordon, Terrence Ross, those types of players, Richard? There is not one player that the Lakers can pick up that will change their season. Is there anybody here that disagrees with that statement? Uh, no. Is there Point. one player, Bobby? You drafted him. I've known, I've known you since I was twenty-one uh, you know years old. You know who's there? Impact him? Who? You? No, that's not. That's not even true. <laughs> you I, haven't I, seen him do push-ups recently, there, there, Bobby. Thank you. I'm and, and this, when you say there is one, there isn't one. That's what I'm saying. So we're not going to sit up here and break down numbers and go through all this stuff. Let me break it down to you very clearly. There is not one player out there with the way that they are constructed that they could potentially go get that will change their season. What you see is what you get. If these guys don't figure it out, there ain't nothing that we can make up. Okay. So, so then let's move to the Bucks because Bobby, what are their trade options here as the deadline approaches? Yeah, I mean you're looking at a roster that's 20 and 5 when uh, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, uh, Giannis are on the court. 
that's that's the best team in the Eastern Conference when they're together here. And I think with Milwaukee, the name probably to keep an eye on is Dante DiVincenzo. Yeah. Right? He's on a last year of his contract, on an expiring. Um, can you flip him? They're look, they need some help at center. We don't know when Brooke Lopez is going to come back here. And I think when you look at what they have, right, 20-5 and five with the big three, what's the health of Brooke Lopez, the value contract of DiVincenzo? They don't have a first-round pick to send out. They yeah. have five seconds. Um, can they get more help as far as from a center position? Bobby Portis has given you good minutes. Right. Um, but we don't know what, what's going to happen with Brooke Lopez. But he's undersized. And my understanding from talking to folks within the organization, Zach, is that Brooke Lopez is on this trip. He continues to get his back reevaluated. And they have some optimism that they could be seeing him here in the coming weeks and months, but they don't have a clear timeline yet. And yeah, watching Dante DiVincenzo play, Richard, it seems to me like he's playing like he a little bit has his contract on his mind. What do you see the Bucks? needs as well look when you look at where they are deep at they're deep at the two guard spot so you know when Bobby Summer was like well who is expendable from the two guard spot mm. you got Grayson Allen who's playing well Jordan Wara he's playing well Rodney Hood you have so many two guards up and down here that you're like okay well if we wanted to give up something to get something back in return then yeah all of this is obvious but there's really I think that this is the best team in the Eastern Conference. Why? Because they are the one singular team that has the most amount of talent and is all pushing in the same direction. Not Philly, not Brooklyn. Chicago has some issues that they need to deal with. So this is a team that everyone needs to look at. I don't think that they need to make too many moves. You agree with that, Zach? I've said it all along. Since the Nets situation went haywire, this is the safest bet in the entire NBA, yeah. the Milwaukee Bucks. One way or another, they are going to get another big man, whether it's trade or buyout. Right. Dante DiVincenzo, look, RJ, you're right. They got a lot of twos, but he's good, and he's Very a good, good. two-way Very player. Good. I'd be careful trading him away because they're going to play Giannis at center a fair bit in the playoffs, so they need as many guards and wings as they can get, and you're one injury away from being too thin at those positions. But I agree. I think this is the safest bet in the league. That record speaks for itself right Absolutely. There. I think with Dante DiVincenzo, again, it just goes back to his, it's recency bias almost, right? In, in years past, he's been a really great asset for them. But when you look recently, after coming off of the injury, after coming off of he was about to come back and then he got sick, it's been a tough go for him. So it will be interesting to see what moves they make. Bobby Marks, thank you so much for joining Bobby. us today. Maestro. I know you need to get back to it because we have you on so much this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But coming up on NBA Today, the Bulls lost to another elite team last night. So why can't they seem to beat the top teams? We're going to discuss that next. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. You're watching NBA Today, live from Los Angeles. Welcome back to NBA Today. So the Suns, they were in Chicago visiting the Bulls last night. So here are the highlights. DeMar DeRozan hosting the Suns. Devin Booker, he averages 8.9 points in the first quarter this season. That trails only Kevin Durant, and he got to off to a hot start. Richard. Well, and this is the issue with the Phoenix Suns. He is second in the league in first quarter scoring. That means they get off to a good start. So he comes out and he sets the tone like one of the best players in the NBA. And when they play against great teams, it's almost like the Phoenix Suns go to another level of intensity. 
Case in point. Look Splash. Yeah. And it's almost like he's even improved this season from last season. 16 points in the first quarter, Richard. Let's move it ahead in the game. Well, again, now, what do you say? Look, if JaVale McGee is hitting threes, that puts that to 19. There's not much else you can do. They're having fun. When your team is rolling and it seems like everything is perfect, there is no more. There, there's not a situation that becomes more fun than playing on this type of team that the Phoenix Suns have. Well, and Chris Paul said that on our friend J.J. Reddick's podcast. The Suns, they led at 18 and a half. But then DeMar DeRozan, he had a little something to say about that. He had 38 points, Richard. Look, he is playing at an extremely high level, one of the best guards in the league. But look, you know when it gets down to crunch time, the Phoenix Suns are one of the best at starting games, and they're one of the best at finishing games, maybe the best team in the league at finishing games. Booker had 38 points, and the Suns win it. Now, the Bulls, they're tied for sixth best record in the NBA this season. The problem is that they haven't been able to beat any of the five teams that are ahead of them. So after last night's loss, they're now 0-7 against the Suns, the Warriors, the Grizzlies, the Heat, and the Bucks. So given those numbers, why do you think, Richard, that the Bulls struggle so much against top teams? Well, I think that's the next phase for them. That's the next step. When, yeah. you're, when you're talking about being in this league, you're supposed to beat the team that you're supposed to, and you're supposed to split with the really, really good teams if you're an elite team. And so when I look at this Bulls team, I think that they have a lot of talent. They have everything that's needed. They have two of the top. They have maybe maybe the second or third best backcourt in the league in Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan. So they just need to tweak it. And sometimes that can become experience. If you haven't had that much experience playing against other high-level teams, no postseason experience for this team, you can get records like this. Well, look, good teams are hard to beat. Yeah. And the Bulls haven't been healthy either, or sometimes even close to healthy Absolutely. for a lot of those games. And the other thing is, with apologies to the Bulls, they're just not as good as some of those teams. I mean, Phoenix, Golden State, Miami, Milwaukee, we're talking about heavyweights, and Memphis has been the story of the year in the NBA, and that's fine for the Bulls not to be as good as those teams. This is a great year for the Bulls. They're building towards something. They don't have to be as good as those teams right now. Well, and speaking of the Bulls, here's our NBA Wednesday doubleheader on ESPN and the app. The Bulls, they take on the Hornets. That's at 7.30 Eastern. And then, after that game, we can see the Warriors. They face off against the Jazz. Our coverage starts with NBA Countdown at 7 o'clock Eastern. Coming up, how will today's trade between the Blazers and Pelicans impact the futures of Dame and Zion? We're back in 60 seconds. Hi, I'm Malika Andrews, host of NBA Today. And on Thursday, February 10th, tune in to our NBA trade deadline special from 1 to 4 Eastern. We're going to have all the Woj bombs, including our top NBA analysts, with insight on all trades around the league. So catch NBA Today on February 10th from 1 to 4 Eastern on ESPN. Welcome back to NBA Today. So big trade news this morning. Here are the details. The Pelicans, they get C.J. McCollum, Larry Nance Jr., and Tony Snell. The Blazers, they get four players headlined by Josh Hart, a protected first-round pick, and two second-round picks. So let's get to the Blazers' side of things. Zach, are the Blazers better or worse, their situation for Damian Lillard, now that they've made this trade? That's a question we're going to have to wait till the summer to answer because they got a lot of cap flexibility. they got a lot of draft picks. we got to see what they do with it, what they do with Josh Hart. They could flip Josh Hart right now for a first-round pick, I think, if they wanted to. He's, he's coveted as a role player. But I think really probably about the same. Like, it's hard to envision them winning a championship in Damian Lillard's t window there, but we'll see. I agree with Zach. 
I 100% agree with Zach. When I look at Portland and I'm like, this window for Dame, who is 31 years old, he's coming off an injury, which I'm not really worried about. But you're like, okay, sometimes it takes two, three years, maybe four, to build out a team. Look at great teams, whether it was Milwaukee, you know, Brooklyn has taken them multiple years to get to that space, the Clippers, any team that has built up to a contender level, it takes three to four years to do that, especially if, you, if you're able to scrap it and you're not able to draw in a high-level free agent so I don't know what the Blazers are going to do uh, they have the space Dame is on board so this is a sit and watch situation Zach do you expect them to make more moves ahead of the deadline not this summer ahead of the deadline I mean, they've already traded four-fifths of what might have been their closing lineup in right? Robert Covington Norm Powell Larry Nance I'm not sure what what else there is to do but they're this they're a team to watch at the draft in this summer for sure and to RJ's point you mentioned teams taking multiple years Clippers Nets a lot of those teams you mentioned they were free agent destinations that could microwave teams yeah. like this with cap space. I don't think the Blazers are that kind of team. Well, and even then, don't forget that the Brooklyn Nets made the postseason without a superstar. The Clippers made the postseason without a superstar. So they were free agent destinations that were building a culture, and then they got free agents. The Trailblazers look like they're in a bit of disarray, even though you have one of the best players in the league in Dame Lillard. So you just don't know what the next step is going to be for them. Well, the same could be said, though, for New Orleans. It's not classically thought of as a destination for players. But the Pelicans, let's take a look at their new starting five when fully healthy. Richard, do you expect, you can see it coming up soon, I hope, do you expect Zion to be a good fit with this squad? I don't know. I, I don't know. I haven't seen Zion play. I haven't seen I've seen Zion play how many games in the in the past, you know, two seasons, and that's not a knock on him. You can't judge a team based off of things that you do not know. Is he talented? Is he one of the best power forwards in this league when he plays? Yes. But he hasn't played. But we were talking about this. Do you give him a max contract? Do you do all this stuff? Well, the Philadelphia 76ers gave a very injured Joel Embiid a max contract, and it's looking really, really smart right now. So I'm not, like, just casting Zion Williamson away quite yet. But the first contract the Sixers gave Joel Embiid was laden with you've got to stay healthy, clauses. incentives yep. and bonuses and carve-outs and things like that. His but Zion, Zion can fit in any lineup. Yeah. I mean, you, you, Zion is a human rim-attacking machine. I mean, you cannot keep him away from the basket. They have enough shooting in that lineup. He fits anything anywhere fine. But, yeah, I do think it'll be interesting. If he doesn't play the rest of the season, I legitimately have no idea if or when he's coming back. Let me be that clear about that. And he walks in with his agent after the season and said, hey, we want the max extension. You're going to give him the max extension. I, I guess you have to because you're New Orleans. But, boy, oh, boy, you'd like to see him play a little bit. Well, you just put a ton of – same thing with Joel Embiid. You put a ton of uh, – you put a ton of, like, random incentives in there saying that whether it's weight, whether it's, you know, games played, minutes played, like all of these things. And if you're his agent, you can't argue about that. If you're the fan base, you can't argue about that. So Zion Williamson away from the team, continuing his rehab on his foot, continuing to get healthy. You were high on the Pelicans when we talked about them yesterday, Zach. With C.J. McCollum, are you higher on them than you were yesterday with these new pieces? No yeah. Zion. Yeah, short term, I think he helps their team. He fills the need of shot creation, and they should stay in the play-in tournament at the very least. I mean, they, if they don't make the play-in tournament now, it's a disaster, despite the fact that the Kings are chasing them. But, yeah, they're going to miss Josh Hart's skill set, but C.J. McCollum's, I think, is a slightly more urgent need. What do you think? Are they going to make the play-in tournament, Richard? I know you said that's not the playoffs. I know. I know. I, that's a participation trophy. Playing tournament. <laughs> they should have a, it should be a brown participation. Yeah, it, it, it really. It's a, that's a participation trophy. So like this team with one All Star, two All Star, and then a fridge potential All Star and CJ McCollum, they should be there. Now, do they have enough time? Zion Williamson obviously not going to play. I love Jonas Valanciunas, but it's just like. 
This is one of the most unknown teams in the entire league because there are just so many ifs about them. Okay. We also kicked Herb Jones out of the starting five just now. I saw the graphic, that my, but my guy, Herb Jones, got booted. Well, we know if you're coaching that he's coming back into the starting Absolutely. lineup. I expect more trades to be trickling down as we inch closer to that trade deadline at 3 o'clock Eastern on Thursday. Thank you to all my guests today. We're going to see you coming up tomorrow. NFL Live for right now, though, is coming up next. Let's go Rams. How about those 49ers?